I've enjoyed putting this message together because uh, that faith word, uh, it's like everything hinges on that, that one word right there. If our faith were higher in Jesus, we would pray so much more. Uh, we would think about him more. Uh, we would worship with more passion. But the trouble is, you, like me, um, the faith issue kind of swells. Sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Um, you know, it's that faith issue. Um, and the more of it that we have, uh, the better our relationship is. Here, let's read this opening verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's confidence and hope mixed together. So it's the confidence of what we actually hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So what the Bible is telling us is, is if you want to have a really good relationship with God, you got to have a lot of confidence. Watch this. I, I love the, the play on words here. You have to have a lot of confidence in what you're hoping for. I'm hoping, but I have a lot of confidence. There, there's one version of the Bible that says this. Faith is being sure of what you cannot see. Then it continues and says, being certain of what you hope for. Now, I, I don't know if, if, you're, if you're feeling me on this, but it just makes me go, huh? <laughs> I, I'm going to be sure of what I'm hoping for. And the more confidence that we have in God actually doing something on our behalf, the better our relationship is. But that's a wrestling match. And, and it's your entire life is just a, a journey of trying to get our confidence up that God actually involves himself in our life. Uh, let me see if I can do a visual illustration here. Our, our generations pastor has this phone that he plugs into his cell phone. And <laughs> he uses it a lot. He was at the bank the other day, standing in line, waiting for a teller. And he was just like, yeah, no, I'm just at the bank. And he tells me that one of his favorite things to do is just drive down the road with his phone. It's like, no, uh, hold on, I'm on the phone. <laughs> and so I'm telling him all the time, I want one of those phones. I even want a ghetto fabulous gold coin phone. But, uh, you know, I, I asked for his phone because it's interesting on who we call and when we call them. Um, like you, I've probably got hundreds of phone numbers in my cell phone. I've, I was going through it the other day and I realized I've got people in my cell phone. I don't even know who they are. Are you with me? I have no idea who these people are. Right? And I won't take them out because they might, they might be important. 
I don't know. Um, and so, and, and then there's some people that I have in my phone so that when they come up on my caller ID, I know not to answer it. <laughs> you ever do that? It's like, yeah, yeah, give me your number. <laughs> not going to accidentally answer that one. I guarantee you that. I've got people that's like, do not answer. That's their name. It's do not answer. <laughs> But uh, it's interesting, it's interesting on, on who we call and when we call uh, them. When things are uh, really rough in life, it's, it's funny how you can go from a hundred people in your phone down to really only two because there's only two people you would actually call when things are rough. And, and I just want to say this, that if you, if you do have two, you have more than 70% of America. Most people don't even have two. Uh, wave your hand at me if you know that's true. Um, it, it's, just, it's just reality that um, when things get rough, you don't really know who to call. And it's interesting because I grew up singing this song in church. Um, I don't know, if, if you didn't grow up in this certain sect of church, you won't know this song, but, but it goes like this. Jesus on the main line, call him up, call him up, tell him what you, do you know that song, anyone? <laughs> so those of you that raise your hand are like, yeah, I know that song. The rest of you are like, you're crazy when you pray, I'm going to sneak out. Um, <laughs> But it, that, that's what it was. Jesus on the main line. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. And then we would just like kick it up. Jesus on the main line. Call him up, call him up, tell him. And then we would just take a few laps around the church. And, <laughs> and that's how we did church back then. Here, if you do that, we've got enough Baptists in the room. They'll clothesline you. And I want you guys to clothesline them because I don't want anyone to hit me while I'm worshiping. But um, here's, the, here's the thing. The reality is, is even though that that song sounds so good and it's exciting to sing, um, do we really call him up first when times get tough? Or do we not call him up? Do we not pray? Because there's a part of our hearts that we don't want to set ourselves up for disappointment. Does that make sense? I want to pray, but if God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to be really disappointed. My faith, the little bit of faith that I do have is going to be shaken. So I'm not even going to mention, I'm not even going to pray at all, even though I'm going through a horrible season. I'm not going to pray at all because I don't want to be disappointed. And I don't have that much faith to begin with. And so he sees me, he sees what I'm going through, hopefully he'll intervene. Is anyone with me on that? Have you ever thought that? Um, and I want to talk about that, I want to unpack that, because there's a certain level of, of insight um, that I feel like the scriptures can share with us. Speaking of insight, just as a sidebar, this young man walked up to this older gentleman who is very successful in business, and he asked him, he said, how do you get so successful? And the older gentleman looked at the young man and he said, um, good decisions. And the young man looked back at him and said, well, how do you make good decisions? And he said back, experience. He goes, well, how do you get experience? Making bad decisions. <laughs> 
I don't really know what to do with that. And so the, 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 the young man was still at square one. Thank God the Bible is much more clear. We're going to unpack a passage of this guy who was wrestling with faith. His name is Elijah, 1 King chapter, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, verse 21. It reads like this. Elijah approached the people and said, How long will you not decide between two choices? In other words, you 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 kind of believe in God, but you don't live like you believe in God, so you're kind of in between. You say you believe in Him, but your lifestyle doesn't show it. You're in between. How long are you going to live this way? When are you going to live for Him or just stop playing patty cake? Just make a decision is what he's saying to these people. And Elijah was a prophet, uh, a phenomenal speaker, preacher. If the Lord is the true God, follow him. But if Baal, which was a false god, is the true God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And so the, the scene here is that he's looking at them and he's saying, hey, if your God is real, then man up and, and follow him. He goes, but I know for sure my God is real. And they had this huge competition and, um, and, 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 and Elijah's God came and burnt a sacrifice and the, the false prophets, their, their sacrifice didn't get burnt by their false God. It was this huge competition. It was huge. It was phenomenal. It's a great read. If you've never read it, go home and read it. But then something else happened. Elijah prayed and he said, because none of you believe in God, there's not going to be any rain for three years. And right at this moment, we see Elijah's journey of faith that looks just like yours and looks just like mine. And so we're going to unpack it. There's three phases within the journey. The first phase is this. Faith always begins with a word from God. It always starts there. Anytime you are going to start or you're considering having faith, you are taking, and maybe you haven't even memorized the verse, but you know that God wants good things for you. And so you take this promise and you say, God, I believe you're going to put my family back together again. I believe you're going to help me get a new job. I believe you're going to help my son. I believe you're going to take this sickness out of my body. That's where faith begins. Now that, my friend, is the easy part of the journey. The easy part is when you and I talk out in the lobby and I say, hey, how are you? And you say, I'm doing good. I believe that God's going to give me a raise this year. I believe 2014 is going to be the best year of my life. Um, I'm gonna, I love the slogans that we have every year. I'm going to thrive in 2005. I'm going to be more in 2004. And we come up and right, and that's the easy part. The hard part is when you walk out of this church and you don't have everybody around you like you do right now to build your confidence and excitement about your relationship with God. And that's exactly what happened with Elijah. He said, this is what's going to happen. There's not going to be any rain. And then phase two starts. Now, phase two is when you separate the men from the boys. 
Watch this. Phase two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Faith continues if we hold on to what he said. Now let's read this. First Kings chapter 18, verse 43. It says this. Then Elijah said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. The servant went and looked. I see nothing, he said. Elijah told him to go look again. This happened seven times. Okay, so here we go. Phase one, Elijah says, there's not going to be any rain. Phase two, he starts praying for rain. And it doesn't happen. You know what's always so funny to me? Is in the church world, we're so good at telling each other the, th- the prayers that got answered. God is good! God is good! God is good! But then all of a sudden, when we have prayers that don't get answered, we get real quiet. And we don't talk about it. And then what happens is deep down in our heart, we can't help but to get a little disappointed. I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in this. I've had my share of prayers not going the way I asked for them to go. Now watch what happens here because we have a huge decision to make. Do we let our faith die and just go away and just stop believing and just become a Christian CEO Christmas and Easter only? (laughs) Or do we fight for it? This is what happened with Elijah. Elijah said, I'm believing that God's going to cause it to rain. So the Bible says that he puts his head between his knees and he prays. See, there's a certain private way that we pray. When I'm at home by myself, I pray with passion and I pray with all my heart. Now, when I'm here with you, I don't want to be a distraction. So I just pray in my heart and I whisper when I pray. But when I'm at home, I'm giving it all dignity goes out the window. And that's what Elijah was doing. Dear God, let it rain. Please let it rain. Please let it rain. Come on. And raining is a big deal because their whole economy is caught up in rain. That'd be like you praying like this. Dear God, I can't stand being in debt anymore. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. If I only pay the minimum, the interest is still, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to catch up. Um, the, it, single people praying, dear God, there's got to be one person out there that will marry me. And then, but I just want to encourage all the single people. The only thing worse than being single and wanting to be married is being married and wishing you were single. (laughs) And so him praying for rain is, is praying, dear God, let the financial door open. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. So he looks at his best friend The Bible calls him his servant and he says, go see if there's any rain clouds. He comes back and goes, nope, no rain clouds. So now Elijah is in the same boat as you and I. What do we do? Phase one was a piece of cake. We just start believing on something. Phase two is do you let your, your faith die when it doesn't happen in nano speed? Not Elijah. He says, dear God, please, please, God, I know you hear me. I know you hear me. And then the, the servant comes back in and goes, go check again. And he comes back and goes, 
no rain, buddy. I mean, people are down at the beach putting on banana boat suntan oil with white noses. I mean, trust me, there's no rain. Dear God, please, it sends them out a third time, comes back, no rain, no rain. If you hold on, and that was the point that I wanted to give you, and, and, and I hope you write it down, faith continues if we hold on to what he said. And I want to say this, because I know that there is a possibility that I may never see some of you again. And so hear me say this. If you call on the Lord once and it doesn't happen exactly the way you hoped for it to happen, don't make the mistake of never calling on him again. I am begging you, knowing that I'm not going to see all of you, don't make the mistake of never calling on him again. Elijah says this to his servant, go check again. That's four times. He keeps on praying. Go check again. Go check again. Go check seven times. Go check again. I want to say to you, and I feel the presence of God right now, so many of you have, have stopped praying because you, you just feel like that hope, is just give up. I just want to say, pray again and then go check again. Pray again and then go check again. I just feel like some of you are just really worried about your children and you'd rather bad happen to you than happen to your children. I want to say, don't stop praying for them. Keep on praying for them and then go check again. Pray again and then check again. Pray again and then check again. Do not under any circumstances. And I want to tell you, I want to do this. Last night it happened to me. (laughs) I didn't say this in the first service, so this is for somebody I don't know I got a stomach virus or something but my stomach was like contracting and then releasing and then contracting and then releasing and then it sounded like Allie sounded a few hours before she had the baby Uh, one of our has anyone ever had that before it's terrible and the thought crossed my mind maybe I should pray that this would stop and then the next thought was I'm being honest. I don't want to pray because if it doesn't stop, I'm going to be disappointed. So I'm just going to muscle this thing out all night long. Because there's a part of me, if I pray and it doesn't happen, what do I do now? Is this connecting with anybody? So I said, dear God, I don't even know what's happening. (laughs) but I don't feel good. And I wish I could tell you that all of a sudden I started feeling great and I started doing jumping jacks and I was doing... No, I went, oh dear Jesus, touch my stomach, heal me. Oh great, nothing. I go back to bed. Oh, dear God, touch me, heal me. This morning, I come to church. I walk into my office. I shut the lights out. Set my alarm for 8.50. The first service starts at 9. I'm laying on the couch. And I'm preaching on faith today. Hello. Hello. 
I get up, put my suit on, I walk out. The first greeter I see, dude, are you okay? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I go back there. I'm eating peppermints, drinking water. I walk out. I'm smiling. Does it, doesn't a fake smile hurt? <laughs> I'm worshiping. I don't know at what point it went away, but thank God I feel really good right now. Thank God. Now, here's the thing. Was that God? Was it me? Was it, was it my physical body just kind of taking over? The Bible says all good things are from heaven, dot, period, end of discussion. Thank you, Jesus. I wish I would have felt better last night. I wish I didn't have to wake up 50 times last night. I wish, but here's the deal. I don't work on God's clock. Whatever clock God wants to work on, he works on. Maybe he knows that I have ADD. I'm sure he does. And I was going to bring this up. And it was going to help somebody here. That's how God works. The picture is far greater. So here's what I want to tell you. Here's Elijah. I'm going to keep on praying. Go check again. 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 I called my dad one time who was a preacher in Humble, and I said, Dad, I have just decided I'm not going to give up. And I was expecting my dad to go, that's my boy. And it got real quiet. And I didn't get my attaboy I wanted to. And he goes, well... What's your other option? <laughs> well, I'm going to get off the phone now, Dad. I wanted that. That's my boy. I want to say to you, what's your other option? Just take Jesus and take God and take your whole relationship and say, I ain't calling you anymore. I ain't going to call you anymore because you don't answer the phone when I want you to answer the phone. And you don't give me the answers that I want you. And you don't write the answers in fire in the sky. (laughs) Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever said, God, I don't want to disappoint you. I want to do exactly what you're asking me to do. The problem is, is I don't know what you're asking me to do. If you just write it in fire in the sky, I'll do it. Email me, your God. <laughs> Answer the phone. Hello. Answer. What's your other option? What's your other option? Elijah just kept on praying. And I want to say, in our journey of faith, and I hope you've realized this by now, all of us have to go through the same phases. Some of us are in phase two right now where we're just hanging on. Point number three, and this is my favorite point, and I hope I can communicate it well. Phase three, faith in God always starts with small beginnings to a grand finale. Let me read this. First Kings chapter 18, verse 44. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. 
the power of the Lord came on Elijah. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Verse 46, I'm going to read it again. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Stop, rewind. Play. Elijah tells his servant, go see again. He's got his head between his knees. He comes back and he goes, there is a cloud, but it's about that big. And he says, You know, I think we got to learn something right then and there. That just God always, always, always starts off small. Let's not ignore those small little... Don't ignore those small little incremental shifts... You know, if you're in a marriage right now and you're married to a jerk, a jerk, if you're sitting next to him, don't nod right now. (laughs) You're married to a jerk. If he opens the door for you on the way out of the building today, you just be cool. But on the inside... (laughs) I know... That you really want him to turn into Don Juan DeMarco, the greatest lover to ever live. But just get excited about the door. Absolutely. Just, yes. So Elijah says, I know my God. And I know how he works. Um, This is the Frankie International version. I've gone through phase one of believing. I've gone through phase two of fighting and not letting my faith die. And now I'm in phase three. This thing always starts off small. Tell everybody, get on your horses and ride. And like Blazing Saddles would say, I was a whipping and a riding. Now, this is my favorite part. This is the grand finale. Elijah takes his cloak and he sticks it into his pants. He gave them a head start. They're whipping and rotting. And here comes Elijah. He passes the horses. He passes them. He outruns the horses. Me, me. <laughs> and when, while we're reading this, we back up and we go, Wow! God, you are so cool. You made a guy outrun a horse. That's a grand finale. But let's not forget, he has fought his way to phase three. So often we want to skip the head between our knees part. We want to skip the part. I went to go see a nutritionist last Friday. 
because I've gained 12 pounds in the last six weeks. And she's here. Hi, Libby. <laughs> Hi, Carlos. I met her for the first time last Friday. And I told her, we've never met before. Isaiah and Jessica told me about her. So I met her for the first time. I said, hi, I'm fat. I can't. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you're not fat, you're not fat. Oh, look, you, it's amazing what suits can do. I'm just telling you. So I meet with a nutritionist. And I tell her, Libby, like, it's not rocket science. Um, I'm not overweight. But if you gain five pounds a month, at the end of the year, five times 12, <laughs> it's not rocket science. I'm on, a, I'm on a slippery slope here. So thank you, Libby and Carlos, for coming to church today. I'm so happy you guys came. Um, but you can clearly see that I need to, I'm up here sweating all I'm doing is talking. Dear Lord, help me. So here we go. We want to skip phase two. We want to skip that because it's the wrestling. Now, if you're anything like me, anything, I'll pray for you if you are. But if you're anything like me, you want to say to God, God, you're God. Let's just go from phase one straight to phase three. Let's go to the grand finale. I pray, dear God, let it rain. Boom, let it rain. I pray, dear God, let me get a job. Ring, ring, ring. I got a job. Let's just skip. Oh, your God, my goodness. Hello. Come on. You made stars. Just skip phase two. The trouble is is that he is your father and you're wired up the same way he is and you don't want to skip phase two either. Some of you are like, talk that one out. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a parent here. So I have three kids. Their names are Luke, Presley. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, this has something to do with my message, just hold on. Um, I'm really looking forward to this moment of parenting that I've heard many of you tell me about because your kids are grown. I haven't experienced it myself. I'm looking forward to the moment of getting them out. <laughs> I can't wait. Take your little graduation thing, put it right here, throw it in the air, go to college, take all my money again, but just go, go pay your own bills. Go, 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 go. The last vacation that I had where I really enjoyed it was the last vacation I had before my firstborn was born. Even when somebody else is babysitting them, I'm worried about it. They're calling me all the time. Your kids are the biggest, blah, 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 blah. I know, I'm sorry, pray for them. And it, <laughs> I'm ready for them to get out. But here's the funny part of it all. As much as I daydream about what my kids are going to do one day, and I'm excited about getting them out so my wife and I can go to the movies again. We haven't been to the movies in years. 
Isaiah and Jessica don't have any kids, but she's pregnant. And I keep telling them, I'm like, go to the movies a lot. A lot. Because once that, you're done. All done.com. All done. But watch this. I just heard a parent say, it's true. Um, (laughs) As much as I want them out, there's a part of me that is the exact opposite. Because the other day I was in bed, my wife was in bed, and three little people were between us. (laughs) And I'm laying there and I thought, they're growing up too fast. (sighs) Slow down. So as much as I want to see them move on and become their own person, I'm really enjoying the process. And I just want to tell you that the Lord is the same way. He likes the grand finale, but you know that Elijah was closer to the Lord when his head was between his legs praying to God than he was when he was out running a donkey. And you have to know that the Lord enjoys the intimacy of talking with you so often. He's going to turn it around. The Bible says in Psalms 56, 9, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. So it's going to turn. But he enjoys the process because that's where the intimacy is built. You've come here to hear me say today that faith is a journey that we're all taking. And you're always in phase one, phase two, or phase three. I love Sundays because I love to encourage you in your faith to hang on, keep on praying, keep on checking. And that's also why I'm always saying, hey, you have people in your life that need to hear some encouragement spiritually because nothing can take the place of Jesus in their life. So that's why I'm always saying, bring somebody. Some of you brought friends today and I just want to say, I'm so happy you're here. I'm out in the lobby after service. I'd love to meet you. But there are three couples that we heard their story and um, they came to our church. And uh, before I dismiss you in three or four minutes, I want to share their story with you. Go ahead and take a look at this. I'm George O'Bear, my wife Linda. We live in Decker Prairie, Texas, a small community just north of Tomball. My name is B.J. Snow. I live in Cypress, Texas, and uh, Sarah Stevens was the one that invited me to come to Celebration Church. I'm Lisa. I'm Doyle. We're the Maxis. We live in Wood Forest. We've been there one year. Yes. And uh, Crystal invited us church here. We were, we were looking, we were searching. Uh, we moved here from Katie and uh, I called Crystal one day and I said, Crystal, I said, I'm looking for a church. You were mentioning that you were going to a church and I, you invited us and I, you said, give us, give it a try. And I thought, well, I'll talk to uh, Doyle. And uh, he says, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's give it a try. I was frying catfish a simple grease fire, got out of control, and we lost everything we had except what was on our back. A couple days uh, after the fire, we were sitting in the driveway assessing the damage, and a man walks down the street, a neighbor, 
who I had briefly met but did not know. And he handed me an envelope and says, Dr. Obear, this is something from our church. And I took the envelope, I looked at it, and I said, sir, I can't take this. I'm not a member of your church. I don't know you. I don't know the church. I feel bad about accepting this offer. And he said, George, this is something that we want to give you a token that should exhibit the way churches in the United States and America should react to people that have problems. When he said that, I gladly accepted and appreciated what he had done, and it was a good message for me. Well, after the fire, uh, the Jameses, uh, when they came down, had offered us uh, a place to stay. They have an apartment uh, on their house and had asked us if we would like to stay there. And they have two beautiful children, and uh, Harrison is the, a young teenage man, and he's the one who invited us to church. So I thought that was so impressive that a teenager would be the one to invite us. I'm an electrician by trade. Been doing several projects out here for the church. And me and Sarah crossed paths in the hallway one time and she just asked me, would I like to come out one evening? I felt myself saying yes. And then from then on out, I just started coming. Came on Wednesday nights, started coming on Wednesday nights, and then I just rotated into Sunday mornings. So we showed up one Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Walked into church and just felt at home from there. We were greeted by greeters and just made to feel really at home when we first came into church. And we felt the, we felt that's, this is where we wanted to be, make our home and uh, grow. And we really appreciate the acceptance of the community there by accepting us as members of the family. We're enjoying it very much. Yes, I always enjoy just the first time we pulled up that you have your greeters there and they just, one guy just opened his arms up and it's just like we were just friends forever and all of the greeters around that just make you feel so welcome because we've been to churches where no one said one word to us. Uh, and so that's, that's very impressive that there's such a warmth there that you automatically feel good. I felt like I was at a point in my life where I needed to go to God. And coming in on that Wednesday night, the sermon itself, it hit home. And it, it, it made me keep coming back. Honestly, I was nervous at first, but then when I walked in through the door, I was greeted, you know, the worship team was was great, and then, you know, the pastor was even greater. I mean, it, it made me feel like I belonged here, and then that's another reason why I just keep coming back, because I, I feel like I belong here. If you're not being stirred and you're not being touched, then you'll leave empty, and I never leave there empty. I always feel like I have gotten what I came for, besides just feeling good. I've got something that I can improve my Christian life. And that's the thing that is important to me. I just want to thank you, Sarah, for inviting me to the Celebration Church. It's touched my life. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for inviting us. We have really found a home here and uh, 
you're a great friend and we just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart that you invited us and you thought of us. Harrison, I just want you to know that you made a difference. You made a difference in our lives by a simple invitation just to come to your church. And I thank you to you and your family for all the things that you did for us, for being there for us during one of the most traumatic times of our life. And I hope you take that through life, always knowing you did make a difference. Thanks, Harrison. James, thank you so much for inviting us. We love you all.